Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. I want more to feel free and tell them that we love them. I've looked at clear cuts in burnt forest and I've felt outraged. We are the crowning glory of God's creation, and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, everything seems calm on the Western Front. Hold on. Ladies and gentlemen, Chicago, right? Oh, thank you, Madison. Film at 11. Breaking news! Why? Because every. Everything has to be breaking news, or apparently you can't pay attention. At least that's what Fox News thinks. But more than that, they are suddenly fans of allowing little girls who think they're little boys to do just that and then cheerlead them, providing an inspiration to others. Don't know if you've seen the Fox News report about five minutes long, never anticipated by Some conservatives, I just did a little search at Wretched.org. We've been talking about how Fox News isn't your friend for several years now because Fox News is a business. And I know there are some people on there that we enjoy, but Fox News will deliver what it takes to have eyeballs. And if that means going against conservative principles and ideals, they will do that. And we have now seen that in technicolor. We shouldn't be shocked. This is the bending of America. Even inside of the Republican Party, there is more talk about being LGB, etc. Very accepting. That is going to cause a monstrous conundrum for Christians. Now, who are we supposed to vote for? Talk about the lesser of two evils. And Fox News apparently jumping in to the virtue signaling game that the rest of the corporations in America have been competing in for quite a while now, delivered what could only be considered an ode to transgenderism. This is from, let me remind you, Fox News. If you saw me walking down the street, you wouldn't think anything different. 14-year-old Violin Whittington is a typical Southern California teenager. And the Whittingtons, along with mom Hillary, dad Jeff, and sister Brinley, are a typical family. The only difference, though, in Ryland's eyes, is what this family can mean to the tens of thousands of kids under 18 who identify as transgender. Let's just consider what was just reported on Fox News rather cheerily, that there are thousands of youth who can't vote, who can't own a firearm, who can't do a lot of adult things. We are now going to make an effort. I'm sorry, because we just want people to be comfortable with themselves and accepted, you know, the Martin Bailey pride argument. This is a story from Fox News, which is going to tug at your heartstrings so that you will join them in affirming thousands of teenagers. And as you're about to hear, little children. No, I didn't mean little children. Babies, encouraging babies to become the opposite gender. Did I mention this is on Fox News? We put our story out there so people could see that like there's another family out there that is going through what we're going through, or there's another family who's proud of who they are. Before Ryland could even speak, he managed to tell his parents that he is a boy. 
Hold the phone, Henrietta. Before he could speak, well, she's a she, she's a she. Before she could speak, somehow this thirteen-month-old or whatever the child was was able to communicate. I'm in the wrong body. Please quit putting me in pink dresses. Start putting me in blue overalls. Somehow the baby was capable of communicating that. Are you kidding me? How's about it's possible. In fact, likely you've got a mom and dad specifically. It tends to be the mom who desired that for their child and saw little things that she perceived to be signals and encouraged them. I could just see that it wasn't him trying to be a brat it was no. like painful it was truly painful for him to have to wear feminine clothing and and for us constantly telling him that you're a girl and by the way that is the argument that is being forwarded predominantly these days regarding gender and sexual issues don't you want people to be happy don't you want them to not be sad like our little girl was trapped inside Wrong bodied. How could you be so hateful? That's the argument. It has nothing to do with biology. It has nothing to do with science. It has nothing to do with God, certainly. This is an issue that is being forwarded very dramatically because they've turned it into an emotional one about people. That people, well, they need to be people. People, they need to be happy inside of their own skin. And if you don't agree, well, then you are awful. That you're a girl. And unlike some trans kids, when Ryland came out at age five, a few years later, he had the full support of his parents. Five, ladies and germs, five years old. Have you spent time with a five-year-old lately? Now, remember, this had been going on since the child was in diapers. Nevertheless, five years old. We're going to allow this child to go through hormonal changes via drugs and pharmaceuticals or a scalpel. Really? We're going to encourage a child, a chi a five-year-old to do that? This is so atrocious. This is just, in my estimation, this is criminal. This is child abuse. But perhaps you've forgotten. This story was on your friend. Fox News. Initially, there was some pushback from us in yeah. trying to understand this. We were confused like most people are. Yeah, we thought not. that gender and sexuality were the same thing. No. This little shell game. Well, you see, gender is one thing. How you live it out is another thing. It is a it is a card game of words, and it's a house of cards, and these people are trying to deal it to America. Did I mention it was on Fox News? It took us a while to figure out that those two things are different and that children actually do recognize their gender identity very young. Some of them, not all. But they listened to Rylan and to Hillary's conservative faith. For me, it's just a deep spiritual belief that you believe in God and he, you know, created us the way he wanted us. Well, then, yes, he created Rylan just the way he is. And oh, that's good theology if you don't have a Bible. <laughs> yes, exactly that, madam. Just go further. You're you're kind of falling short. This this is this is the interpretation of Psalm 139 that God knit Ryland together in my womb. But the job that he did, it it he didn't match things quite right. 
That's one interpretation. Or we could conclude God knit you together. Therefore, that's what you are. He made the decision. He's the one who made you pink or blue. He's the one who is determined and it is reflected scientifically, chromosomally and body partily. Yeah, that's the way you're presented because that's what you are, because that is the way that God made you. This woman's argument is, hey, God made him to be a boy inside of a girl's body. What Bible verse suggests that he ever does something like that? They listened to families. They met in support groups. There was a father who was sitting across the table. He says, you have no idea how lucky you are to be here, which kind of took me back. I didn't at that point consider myself lucky to be there. And he said, you know, our, our child had displayed this gender dysphoria or this gender misalignment at at the same age that Rylan has. And we didn't listen and we pushed back. That pushback led that child to turn to self-harm as a teenager. (sighs) That's the suicide or the self-harm of this child is blamed on the parents who said, no, son, you're not a daughter. It's the bad old Christians. That's the message from this report on Fox News, which 60% of trans and non-binary kids engage in, according to the Trevor Project, more than 50% consider suicide. And it's your fault if you don't partake in their deception. You're the problem. Not what's going on inside of their mind or heart. No, it's external, specifically those cold conservatives who believe that Bible, that there's only two genders. That for me was the turning point. I didn't want to see Ryland to go through that. I'd rather have a living son than a dead daughter. And I guarantee that if we had pushed back and done what a lot of parents do, I don't think that we would have either one of the kids that you see before you here today. Allowing him to to live authentically and true to himself and be who he really feels like he is. When you get to know Ryland, you see just how proud and confident he is of himself. Ryland's story got international attention in 2014 when a family YouTube video went viral. And Hillary has since written a book called Raising Ryland. No, you mean there's profit involved in this? I'm sure it's just to help other children. Now, just in case you didn't think the report was mm, direct enough, here is the fellow who delivered that report, summing it up. And you, and we believe in you. What extraordinary courage displayed by Ryland, his mother Hillary, Fox Father News. Jeff, and Fox sister News. Brindley. I want to thank the Whittington family Fox for News. speaking to us. It's not easy, particularly when transgender issues have been so politicized. You know, people are afraid of what they often do not understand. The family hopes their story will help you to get it, you sociological nincompoop. Fox News. Watch it at your discretion, but just note, as somebody said several years ago, Fox News is not your friend. This is Wretched Radio. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMAI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. 
the Masters Academy International in Ukraine, fighting a battle on two fronts. <laughs> You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Masters Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Hello and gracias. That means thank you in Spanish for our unolingual listeners. Gracias for listening to Wretched Radio today, where you learn all kinds of things. And another place you're able to learn stuff, the Wretched website. That's right, Wretched.org is full of amazing content, like each full 30-minute TV episode, our full daily radio episodes. You can also use the nifty search bar to find hundreds of topics that have been discussed on either radio or TV. The Wretched store is there too, and it's loaded with over 40 resources, all produced with the help of our gospel partners. If you're already an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner, thank you. Your efforts and support have helped us reach millions of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully and thoughtfully consider becoming one? You can find answers to virtually any question you have about becoming a gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate. Or you can text the word Wretched to 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. This is our dear brother Max in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families who had to escape, serving them a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who He is and what He has done. Jesus is called the Seed of the Woman. Immediately after the fall of man, God promised a Savior who would be the offspring of the woman. Jesus was born of a virgin, a divine Savior born of the Seed of Woman. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. This is going to be a long two years. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you've been tracking the now-in-session Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, California. A number of stories that we are tracking because they're big. And we want to see how these stories unfold because it is, I think, reasonable to conclude based on how they vote on certain issues gives us a bellwether as to which direction the SBC is going. And here's my prediction based on one of the elections that took place last night. My prediction is this. It's going to be a long two years for those of us who like clarity, for those who like specificity, understanding, hey, what what direction are you going here? Because 
If you're not making it clear, I don't like having to deal with, well, I'm not exactly certain where everything is at. I, well, maybe some, and I don't know which way are the, I don't like that land, but I think we're going to have to dwell in it for two more years. Here's why. Last night, the Office of President for the conference, not for the Southern Baptist Convention, for the conference, there's a presidency race. Vody Bauckham was in it. He's the author of Fault Lines. He is crystal clear on his position on, well, everything, because that's the way Vody is, specifically on CRT. The other fellow, less so. In other words, the two candidates, if you just remove their names, were very similar to the presidential candidates of the actual Southern Baptist Convention a year ago. If you recall, Mike Stone, Georgia pastor, conservative guy. Here's where we're at. This is where we need to be going. Let's march to the right, pull away from the left. We will not become a woke convention. He was clear. Ed Litton, you can't call him a liberal in the sense that he is like an Episcopalian, but he's definitely more centrist than Mike Stone was. And that vote was very close. And it left us in the land of, ah, Oh, some people said it's Splitsville time. We can't endure this anymore. Other people said, well, it's close enough that there's hope here. I can't remember how many votes separated them, but I think it was dozens. It wasn't huge. And so we, for the last 12 months, have had to live in. So which way are they going to go this year? And I think last night's vote tells us that there has not been much of a change inside of the SBC. You can interpret this as good or bad news based on your perspective. But the vote was between a more centrist guy and Vody Bauckham for the convention, not or rather the conference. <laughs> SBC just needs to call itself a denomination and make my life simple. The president of the conference was Vody Bauckham versus this fellow, and Vody lost by 82 votes. It was 690 to 608. Now, just to make things a little bit more interesting, there were some people who made accusations of ballot stuffing. Lo and behold, it turns out there were people voting who shouldn't have been, and they canceled almost 60 votes. The fellow who was in charge of it said, well, this this doesn't change the results. Yeah, there was some ballot stuffing, but your winner isn't Vody Bauckham. 690 to 608. That's pretty tight. That's pretty close. What do I glean from that? They haven't moved much. The, the Mike Stone at Lytton race, very close. The Vody Bauckham centrist guy, very close. I don't think the SBC has moved at all. And again, it depends on your perspective. You could say, well, we haven't had any losses. But on the other hand, conservatives haven't had any gains. We will have more clarity as the conference. Yes, the conference. Going to call it the convention, but you can't call it the convention because that's the organization. The conference is going to continue and it will be the vote for presidency. Tom Askell, he is the fellow from Founders. He is, of course, a Southern Baptist pastor in Florida. Big church. And he's been very vocal in his critique of issues like CRT, that the SBC hired guideposts, which is LGBTQ affirming. He's, you know where Tom stands. 
He's going to be running for president. And the vote happens tomorrow. It's going to kill me. And my prediction is it'll probably be similar to the vote that took place for the president of the conference, not the convention, which is actually a convention in Anaheim, but the conference. Most likely, at, at best, it's going to be a close victory for Tom. Uh, worst, it's probably going to be a close loss. And then some people are going to be making decisions based on some of the events that unfold when some of the other voting takes place on the issue of abortion, on the issue of CRT, on the guidepost report. You're going to get a pretty good sense if there's potentially going to be a split. So here's here's my prediction. I don't think for two years, I don't think, none of us knows the future, my continuationist friend. And we probably won't see the SBC doing a big break. When you look at big conferences, denominations, conventions, you, you see that they are simply overrun with liberals. I'm trying to think of the name of the fellow. He is an Anglican, a black man, who basically his his claim to fame was in simply saying, I don't think there's systemic racism in the Anglican communion. And the higher-ups in the Anglican communion who were white actually said, no, we are. You're wrong. They stopped funding his education. They did not ordain him. They blocked his ordination. And now I believe he's ministering in a more conservative Anglican branch. Why are we seeing that in the Anglican communion and so much of the liberalism? Why do we see in the Church of Scotland that they are voted, they have voted, that they can ordain marriages between same-sex couples? Why? Because they're dominated by liberalism. It's not even, those votes aren't even close. The Methodist Convention, which, wow, talk about a political maneuver. Because of COVID, don't you know? They can't meet like they're supposed to this year. They're going to just wait until 2024. What's going to happen in those few years? Well, liberals will just make more and more progress. It's a, it's a, it's a momentum gainer. The more liberals you get, you just keep adding and adding and adding. You infect what was formerly conservative, and then you utterly corrupt it, and you take it over, and the good guys leave. I don't think we're there with the Southern Baptist Convention. I could be wrong, but I don't think that we are. That's my prediction. And you and I now are, if I'm even bordering on accurate, we are going to have to live in a discernment hinterland. This is the territory that I am not fond of. This is the place that is fuzzy. I like to know. Where, where are you at on this deal so that I can render a verdict on the subject? I think we're in the hinterland. Well, it's about half and half, so I don't know where the SBC is at. Now, how it will play out, will they grow in conservatism? Will they grow in liberalism? Only time is going to reveal that, and it is that time that makes me bonkers. And yet, we have to realize if we're going to have any rules of discernment, and there are rules of discernment, I need to live somewhat comfortably there without accepting that hinterland. I don't like it. But history happens in time. These events have to play out. And we are at the arc in the story where we just don't know. And that could cause some frustration. 
It could cause some fighting. It could cause some critiquing on levels that is not biblical. So we want to watch out as we have to spend two years in this hinterland, how we're feeling about the SBC, how you feel when you drive by a church that says it's Southern Baptist. What is your attitude toward the SBC? The problem is it appears to be just about a slightly more liberal. It's like 51 to 49, liberal to conservative. Not every church is going woke, but some are. Not every church is ordaining female pastors like Saddleback, who just announced, I missed this detail. Rick Warren's replacement is a husband and wife. Oh, terrific. He's in the Southern Baptist Convention. Is everybody like that? Nope. Would some agree with that? I suppose. I think that you've got shades of degrees of where people are at on the spectrum of conservatism versus liberalism. And right now, it's if, if you, if you want to graph, imagine the line in the center. This is the absolute centrist position, right? Just 90 degrees up. To your left, you've got people who are just a little liberal, just kind of, well, you know, we can talk about some of these issues and hear stories and have conversations. They're, they're vaguely, vaguely woke, but they're otherwise conservative. But then you keep going down to the left and you're going to see people who are just full blown woke. I think they're the minority so far. That's my estimation. They're still the minority. The majority of folks are, well, we just, you know, we want to be amenable and we want to make sure that we do not come off as being racist. So let's discuss this stuff. Now, those numbers can shift. And the same thing, by the way, is true with conservatism. You've got people who are slightly conservative. Yeah, I guess I'm sort of against it. All the way to Votie Bauckham and Tom Askell. What will this shape up to look like in two years? Answer, I have no idea. But until then, at least... We have to live in the hinterland. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Now, if you've been wondering if the Mennonite people were ever going to start being all-inclusive, well, you can rest easy now, because last month, Mennonite Church USA passed resolutions calling for the denomination to commit to becoming inclusive of LGBT people, and they also repealed a guideline that previously banned pastors from performing same-sex marriages. In other words, they've decided to stop using the Bible. One of the oldest Christian publishing companies in America has caught some deserved backlash recently. Eerdman's Publishing promoted Pride Month with a list of LGBT book recommendations in a blog post. And in that same blog post said Christians should be willing to listen and seek to understand those in the LGBT community who are simply fighting to be seen and heard and cared for and loved. You know, I certainly don't hate or despise or advocate for anyone else to hate or despise anybody who is dead in their sin. But what I won't do is celebrate the sin that's going to send them to an eternity of torment. The caring and loving thing any Christian can do is to lovingly share the truth of the gospel. The hateful and evil thing would be to know the truth and not share it. Affirming someone in their sin, not warning them what lies ahead, not telling them what God has done for them in the sacrifice of his son for their sake. That's not anything anybody should be prideful about. Do you remember the anti-abortion bill that was passed in Louisiana a couple of weeks ago? It seems no one currently occupying the White House was a big fan of it. 
shocking. The bill bans any baby murder procedure and also imposes serious major criminal charges and jail time for any doctor caught murdering babies. Seems pretty fair to me. But the White House called the law radical and an attack on the fundamental freedoms of America. That's such a nonsensical statement and argument. The ability to murder is not a fundamental freedom. The ability to read and learn is, and it would be nice if some in the White House would actually exercise that freedom. So I almost preface this story with saying this is weird, but I probably need to start giving that warning at the beginning of every newscast. From Norway, Christina Ellison, a well-known Norwegian feminist, is facing some jail time. And it's not for doing the typical feminist things that you might imagine. Nope, she's currently under investigation over tweets she made stating that men cannot be lesbians. She didn't even say men can't be women, she said men can't be lesbians. I mean, look, that's, that's a biological fact that actually would make a man straight, right? I'm not going to get too far in the weeds here, but stating facts is obviously hatred now in Norway. So I wonder what they're supposed to do if someone comes up and asks you the time. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible The Apostle Peter wrote a second epistle to clarify and defend the Christian message. He asserts the authority of Scripture, warns against false teachers, and reminds us that the end is coming. But God is patient, allowing all of His people to come to repentance. If you want a clear contrast between true and false Christianity, look to Second Peter. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It certainly could be worse in the SBC. This is Wretched Radio, all eyes on Anaheim, California, the conference that takes place every two years from the Southern Baptist Convention Messengers, Record-breaking attendance, which is a surprise. Would love to know why they've seen a surge in attendance. Was it conservatives that were willing to fly to California and wear a mask while you're there? Apparently, I've got a, I've got a buddy who's a mole at the Southern Baptist Convention, and he said in the convention, most people aren't wearing masks. You walk outside and everybody is fully garbed. And I actually... See, looking on the bright side, I find that a positive. Because if inside of the Southern Baptist Convention, most people were wearing a mask, I'd say the convention is a goner. (laughs) Apparently, it's just outside of the convention. Everybody's watching to see how it's going to go down. We learned, of course, that Vody Bauckham narrowly losing the conference presidency coming up tomorrow, I believe, is the vote for the presidency of the Southern Baptist Convention. I ask, I just, this is my sense of it. It's going to be close. I don't, I can't tell you who's going to win, but it's going to be, it's going to be close one way or the other. And I think a lot of Southern Baptist Convention churches probably would hope for a little bit more clarity because a lot of Southern Baptist churches are pondering vamoosing from the convention. And I don't think this is going to give them any more of a clear indication. I think they might just have to sit on their hands for a couple of years and watch things unfold. Of course, each congregation, pastor and your elders, you lead that church, you make your decision. But it, 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 uh, it, it doesn't seem that we're going to have the type of clarity that's, that, see, that's it. Vody lost, but like 80-20. If, if that had been the vote with Vody, it was probably, all right, 
Let's see if we can do some math here. 608 divided by 690. It's got to be close to about 52 to 48%. That's a tight race. If it had been 80-20 where Vody lost, I would say <laughs> you might want to think about finding yourself a denomination that's definitely pointed right. But it wasn't. You got a mixed bag. And as is the case with the Southern Baptist Convention, you have got people with varying opinions on issues. It's just that right now, like the rest of our culture, these issues are broiling. They are hotly contested. One of the issues, frankly, that's not on there that I wish were was was the ordination of women. I, I wish that were an issue that was being bandied about. But CRT has taken over to a degree, the life issue and, of course, the sexual abuse scandal issue. No, those are kind of the biggies. Would love to see the role of women in the church better defined. For it, for instance, this is this is a good for instance. The current president of the SBC, Pastor Ed Litton, he is he's the president who runs the proceedings, and his worship leader leads the worship for all of the messengers slash pastors. There's sixty eight hundred of them in Anaheim, California. The president's worship leader gets to lead worship, and apparently she's doing a great job. And that is that is stuff that should be getting worked out at the SBC. Let's talk about the role of women. Should a woman be leading 6,800 pastors at a conference? I don't see it on the agenda. I wish that it were. In the meantime, I think we have to wait and... Isn't there a hymn like that? Wait and wait and watch, trust and obey. That's an old fundamentalist. Trust and obey, cause there's no other way. Isn't isn't there? Todd, if you ever sing again, we'll find you and you'll walk with a limp, which I already am, but my lower back is getting better. Thanks for praying for it. It could be worse at the Southern Baptist Convention. They could be adopting a hymnal that was just sent to me. And for some reason seems to be gurgling up in the news, although this broke a few years ago. An affirming hymnal is helping LGBTQ Christians keep the faith. Oh, cool. How, how exciting is that? That there are now going to be Christian hymnals that affirm sin. It's called Songs for the Holy Other. Not Mother, because that would be a Catholic hymnal. This would be Songs for the Holy Other a collection of affirming hymns compiled by the Hymn Society, a 100-year-old institution for religious music. Published in 2019, the collection has proven to be a unique resources for churches who fully celebrate queer believers. I guess that word can now be used. I thought it was a pejorative, but we don't write the rules on definitions. There's 160 songs, a hymn of self-acceptance, God of Queer is a congregational favorite. Trans trans transgressive spaces and impartial, compassionate God. You know, he doesn't really care about much. Quote from an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ. She uses the hymnal in her church. She, like other LGBTQ affirming clergy, dismissed the notion that the Bible condemns queer lifestyles. Obviously, it just whispers about these issues. <laughs> In fact, she says the very story of Jesus. Wait, what? 
The fulcrum of Christianity can be read through a queer lens. Hold on, lady. You didn't just cross a line. You sprinted. And you are in a territory that you need to vacate. We're going to read the story of Jesus through a queer lens. So now we've got their terminology. A queer hermeneutic. Quote, he left home. He traveled. Never had kids, don't you know? He hung out with a bunch of women in a time when that was socially an an unacceptable thing to do. He didn't embrace Roman concepts of power. He modeled a very different way of being masculine. So this apparently is a hymnal that reflects that version of Jesus, which, of course, isn't the true version. Perhaps you're a curious person and you're wondering, well, what do these hymns sound like? Jimmy? What do these hymns sound like? Would you please share, based on your extensive research, some of the lyrics from the LGBTQ affirming hymnal? Well, uh, we have a song. Wait a second. You're not Jimmy at all. Uh, uh, That was a horrible impression, dude. (laughs) I did my best. Pray for Jimmy. He's getting sunburned as we speak. He's on a family vacation, and it's a pistol in the South right now. I mean, on... When we were at home, we thought, you know what? I wonder if both of us could fit into the oven and turn it on to about 350, because at least it's a dry heat. It's better than what's outside here. Jimmy's gone. The very competent Jake is sitting in his chair. Would you be kind enough to, you want to sing these, Jake? You're a singer. You could handle this. Well, see, I don't know the melody. I think I might know the one for, um, you know, you know, the song Dearly Beloved. We have one give it, called give it to me. Uh, Queerly Beloved. Oh, stop. Um, Queerly Beloved, we have been hated, treated as outcasts, ragged and rough. Still we persist, joyous and grateful, trusting that grace is ever enough. Um, wait, 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 wait. That, yes. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah. It's, Trust, it's, I, don't know, I, I don't know where that is aimed. All right, verse 2. Verse uh, two would be, Queerly beloved, we have discovered love that is perfect, ending our fear. There is a truth waiting to claim us. There is a call so strong and so clear. Alleluia, alleluia, God is here. All right, we heard the word God. Is Jesus in any of the stanzas of that hymn? Um, It would appear Jesus is significantly lacking. (laughs) (laughs) See, could be worse in the SBC. This could be in the pews of southern baptist convention churches it's not all right what other one do you have over there we have uh the one you mentioned uh the god of queer transgressive spaces just give me one verse we have uh brothers bind ye to each other sisters too and have no shame but not brother to sister no because that now that would be too normal right yeah yeah keep going uh sing with god our father mother oh love that dares now speak its name wow Okay, we now have a decision to make. How do we view these people that are doing this? I think there's two categories, and I think we need to be mindful of that. You've got people in that community who are basically tripping along. They're not thinking very much. They maybe go to a church like that, potentially even sing some of these songs. I think they're the harvest field. And I think that we need to approach them as such. 
The people, however, who are penning these hymns, propagating these hymns, promoting them, trying to get these pumped out for the sake of clearly going against God's word on a subject that he did not whisper on, he shouted about. I I, I think we look at them differently. Teachers who are false, who are seeking to promote their false ideologies, that puts them into a different camp. Does that mean we need to be condescending and snarky? No, but it does call for tougher talk. These are clouds without water delivering nothing. These are people that Jude describes and these are people that are undermining the faith. And with them, we do and need, do indeed need to contend for the faith and for truth. The people that perhaps sing these songs, we need to share the gospel with them. This is Wretched Radio. There are many struggles experienced by our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, specifically those who run the Master's Academy International. The biggest challenge for men attending TMEI, especially in our context in Ukraine, is the opposition from people in the church who oppose sound doctrine, and therefore men really struggle to transform their ministries in accordance with the Word of God. The Master's Academy International in Ukraine fighting a battle on two fronts. (laughs) You've got Russia, of course, and you have opposition from the church in Ukraine for biblically trained pastors to preach the gospel. Would you please consider supporting the Master's Academy International? Adopt a seminary, 17 different countries. Might want to turn your attention to Ukraine. To learn more about this amazing legacy ministry, visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Hello and gracias. That means thank you in Spanish for our unolingual listeners. Gracias for listening to Wretched Radio today, where you learn all kinds of things. And another place you're able to learn stuff, the Wretched website. That's right, Wretched.org is full of amazing content, like each full 30-minute TV episode, our full daily radio episodes. You can also use the nifty search bar to find hundreds of topics that have been discussed on either radio or TV. The Wretched store is there too, and it's loaded with over 40 resources, all produced with the help of our gospel partners. If you're already an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner, thank you. Your efforts and support have helped us reach millions of people with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're not a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully and thoughtfully consider becoming one? You can find answers to virtually any question you have about becoming a gospel partner at wretched.org slash donate. Or you can text the word Wretched to 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. This is our dear brother Max in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families who had to escape, serving them It's a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. 
Important dates in Christian history. 1906. The Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles, California, launches Pentecostalism and paves the way for the development of the modern charismatic movement. Pentecostalism is marked by a focus on supernatural gifts such as healing and speaking in tongues. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. The surprising reason that gas prices are so Hi, this is Wretched Radio. No doubt you filled up and you sat watching the numbers go click, click, click. What used to be a $30 fill is almost, no, it is a $60 fill. And there are plenty of uh, political prognosticators and economists who would tell you why this is the case. I think they're all wrong. Gas prices have nothing to do with pipelines, drill baby drill, fracking, energy independence, Russia, what's happening in the Middle East? None of it is the cause of the soaring gas prices. There is one word that I believe explains why we are seeing gas prices as a bellwether for a society that is in really big trouble. Here's the word. Agenda. That's it. There's an agenda afoot. And it is being played out with decisions that undergird that agenda. And if that means the decisions we make hurt people, cause people to have to pay a fortune at the pump, it doesn't matter because our agenda is what matters. Our goal for what we believe to be a transformed Western civilization, that's all that matters. And if there is collateral damage, then so be it. They'd make Machiavelli proud. This is an agenda-driven culture that we are living in. And I got to tell you, well, normally wouldn't spend this much time talking about the subject of this agenda. Read an article from a fellow named Victor David Hansen. This could be found in LA Magazine. And it is loaded with sarcasm, which means I like articles like that. And I thought he did a very fine job of revealing, whether that was his intention or not, that what we're seeing is agenda-driven from the article from Victor David Hansen. We hear plenty of reasons for the perfect storm that imploded California. And it is imploding. People are scurrying as fast as they can. And by the way, If you happen to have any influence in California and you're conservative and you're in politics, would you please initiate a law that says if you're liberal, you voted Democrat, you can't leave California. It's against the law. This is your utopia. You made it. You endorsed it. You live in it. You can't leave the border. But then again, since when do borders matter in California? We hear plenty of reasons for the perfect storm. Perhaps the most important but overlooked reason has been the infusion of trillions of dollars of mostly tech capital into the state. That's interesting. How is it that billions, maybe trillions of dollars in tech capital have influenced the politics in California? He writes, unimaginable sums of market capital warped politics and led to a top-down feudal society run by progressive elites who are shielded from the ramifications of their own toxic ideologies. In other words, the big bucks came to town. They became players in California politics and funding like a nobody's business 
with a typical woke corporation ideology. They brought that into their political candidates. They have been elected. They live in very big homes. They drink very fine wine. They have nothing to do with the hoi polloi like you and me. And they are more than happy to make decisions that affect you negatively as long as their agenda is being fulfilled. And that's what Victor David Hansen brings out. Their lifestyles before, during, and after office holding reflected both their privileges and the vast material differences between their own lives and the millions of Californians who suffered enormously from their utopian bromides. Fancy way of saying their agenda. They're going to create paradise on earth. There is no afterlife. There is no eternal rest. We're going to create it here. We're going to create utopia. Is it crushing people? Yes. Does it matter? No, not to them. Yet a world away from their homes in Grass Valley, Lake Tahoe, Napa, Pacific Heights, or Rancho Mirage, the rest of the state's residents who voted for them currently cannot afford a house, a full tank of gas, a chuck steak, or an air-conditioned afternoon. And yet the agenda marches on. Because that is what this is about. The Atlantic Magazine has been a cheerleader for progressive causes, mostly. And even now, a reporter and essayist from The Atlantic warns that San Francisco is a failed city. And she is correct in that the city is increasingly medieval. We are not progressing. We are regressing. This is not progressivism. This is regressivism. This is not advancement. This is retreat. This is going back from the article. She's correct that San Francisco is increasingly medieval. Its downtown is emptying, filthy, toxic, dangerous, and pre-civilizational. Perhaps an unfair term, since it was rare in pre-Roman Gaul or nomadic North Africa for tribal residents to sleep in the village pathways fornicate and defecate openly among children, and violently attack random passers-by. What's done about this from the people in power? Nothing. Because it doesn't matter how many people are homeless. It doesn't matter how many people are destroying perfectly lovely cities. It doesn't matter. It is about agenda. From the article, the implosion of San Francisco, Los Angeles, and California is no accident. Destroying all the bounty that was inherited from far better and far-seeing generations was the logical result of deliberate policies, agenda, reflecting the self-interest of a few million rich, educated professionals. They apparently decided their genius and superior morality had transcended worries over ancient challenges of things like food and water, shelter, transportation, that is what we are seeing happening nationwide, Western civilization and in California. And this, by the way, affects more than gas prices. It is estimated, I've read one article, so this is a prognostication that, that electricity prices this summer might triple. Triple. Have you seen the food prices? What? And nothing can be done, says the press secretary. I believe the Department of Energy head said, look, there's just little, there's nothing that can be done now about gas prices. Well, of course there is. You know, things like drilling and opening up pipelines, being energy sufficient and independent like we were for a number of years prior to the last election. 
But those aren't even on the table for the energy secretary. That's not drilling. We can't drill. Remember, our agenda is the environment. That's our agenda. So that's not even a consideration. So boo-hoo and pay for your gas, including the exorbitant taxes. Why? Because it's about agenda. Freeways were obsolete ideas. The fewer built and the even fewer maintained, the more likely the clueless could be crowded into cost-effective, clean, and safe mass transit. So they built a $15 billion high-speed rail system. Disaster. And it remained inert like Stonehenge monoliths. Meanwhile, thousands of the poor on the obsolete Highway 99 continued to die. It's such a dangerous road and were maimed in daily accidents on a road warrior-esque obstacle course. That's okay. We need to get these people onto mass transit. The end justifies the means. Aqueducts, reservoirs, dams, those things are from old dead people that were stupid and not progressive. Besides, they had a different agenda. They wanted human flourishing. We just want agenda. It doesn't involve people are mere pawns. They are tools in this big progressive agenda. Fires, let forests burn down as they had in primordial times. Better to burn to provide mulch for worms and birds and scare away the deplorable foothill folk who had no business living in the mountains anyway. (laughs) That hurts, doesn't it? On and on it goes. It's a fascinating... Oh, wait a second. It's not LA Magazine. I've got my glasses on. amgreatness.com is where I found this particular copy. It's well worth the read because it, it informs you that California... Over one-fifth of the state lives below the poverty line. African-Americans and Latinos suffer among the lowest real incomes in the nation, 48th and 50th, respectively. Huh. But they've got Mark Zuckerberg, Nancy Pelosi, and Jerry Brown. How One-third of Americans on public assistance live in California. Do they care? No, because that's what they want. They want the government to be the provider. This is an agenda-driven world. But we've begged the question, what's the agenda? Got to be careful because we could think it's progressive policies. It's not. It is anything not biblical. It is anything that is anti-God. It is anything that sees human beings as image bearers of God who are worthy of dignity and respect based on what they are, not what they do for people. The agenda that is driving this, and we are having to consume the rotten fruit that it produces, very little to do with politics, socioeconomics, oil, gas, food, programs. It has everything to do with God and how we can kick him off of his throne, forget his paradise regained. We will create utopia. Until tomorrow. Go serve your king.